Morning. We have, as uh, I think Jason said or, or Colin said earlier, are in a series titled Uncomfortable, and this morning's message is called Uncomfortable Church as we're bringing this series to a close. Next week, I'll actually finish it with a series, or excuse me, a message called Uncomfortable Cross as we share in communion together. But this morning, I want to I wanna, um, bring a lot of what we've said in these last weeks together in this message called Uncomfortable Church. And here's my premise. I kind of restated this, I think, five weeks ago. But it's this. The only church that can change your life uh, is the church that will challenge you to grow rather than affirm you where you are today, right? So much of our culture today, it's really even all the more even in our own day, it's all about affirming people where they are, right? Whether it's identity politics or, you know, issues of gender or whatever the case may be, right? It's all, we want people to feel okay where they are. But see, what the Bible says is, right? When I'm talking about being, I'm talking about your faith, reason some of you got up and came to church this morning, right? You're your follower of Jesus. What does it mean to follow uh, Christ? The only uh, ch- church that will change your life is the one that's going to not say it's okay where you are, right? In the sense of God wants you to go further and you need to be challenged and sometimes we need to get uncomfortable. That's what we've been talking about these weeks. Passage I want to look at uh, this morning, the few minutes we have is in Paul's letter to the Corinthian church or his second letter. If you have a copy of the Bible, open it up. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verses 14 to 21. Paul's letter, probably his most personal of the letters he's written, uh, right in the middle of your New Testament, past the Gospels, past Romans and Acts. 1st, 2nd Corinthians chapter 5, read verse 14 to 21. Follow along as I read. Apostle Paul speaking. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, as I said, and those who study in uh, the scriptures, uh, this is 2 Corinthians is, is the Apostle Paul. He wrote 13 letters, a lot of the New Testament. And this really is his most personal letter. And by that, that means where he's the most vulnerable about his own life. You'd have to read it carefully, but that's, uh, that's the case. And in it, he's, what he's talking about in these very important verses uh, that we just read is really his own conversion. Right? He's giving you a sense of his own understanding, his own insight of what happened to him. Right? I came to a place where I was convinced 
that one died for all. He didn't believe that growing up as a, young, as a man, right? Even as a, even as a young man. He, he didn't become a Christian until he was an adult, as you know Paul's story. He said, I came to believe that one died, therefore all were dead spiritually. That's what he means. He says, I didn't even realize that I was spiritually dead. And therefore, I've been given a new life. I should no longer live for myself, right? I have a different purpose. But I should live for the one who died for me and who was raised again. And what Paul's saying is he talks about, you know, this, this passage, right? He comes to this. He's like having an aha moment. I realized, right? Verse 17. If anyone is a Christian, that's what he's saying, there's been a new creation, Right? He's really going back to the Genesis um, idea for those who would remember that in this, his, this audience. The old has gone. God has done something new. It's a brand new creation if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. And he says, that's happened. And it's changed everything. And he's saying, what has happened to me? We'll talk, he's going to highlight a few things in this passage. But he's saying, God has put me forth as a model, right? Sometimes this happens. You, somebody becomes a, an example to other people. And he says, God has uniquely chosen me. I think in another, in this same letter, in a different spot, he says, I was one that was born out of due time, I think is the old King James. God made, brought me into, uh, a, into, the, into his family. I became a Christian at a unique time at my life so that I could be an example of how God works in the life of other people. What has happened to me, he's going to say, ought to happen to all people who open their lives to Christ. The first thing that I want to say, I think he's saying here is this. We are half-hearted creatures no more. That's what Paul's saying. We are half-hearted creatures no more. Think about the Apostle Paul's life. And, 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 and some of you know it better than others, but it's, it's, it's one of the few in the Bible. Let's say Moses is one. Um, of course, Jesus is one, but Moses is one. David is one. You know, Peter is one, where there's a lot of material about his life. And we know a lot about the Apostle Paul's life. And what we know about the Apostle Paul's life is a couple things. Number one, he was um, what you and I would call very self-righteous. I'm talking about prior to becoming a Christian. So those of you in this room, some of us, or people you either are like this or you know people like this, who are self-righteous. In other words, they think that they are more acceptable by God. They live a better life than other people, and therefore they deserve God's favor more than other people. We call that self-righteousness. Paul was that kind of person. Read his, if you're a note-taker, his, his testimony in the letter of uh, Philippians chapter 3. He said, listen kind of a bragging. He said, listen, when it comes to the, to the, to the ceremonial law, to the laws of the Old Testament, he says, I, I didn't miss a, 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 a single law. I was blameless before the law, right? He was a very self-righteous kind of person, but he was also, right, in a sense, um, uh, did some very bad things. He, he was, you might say, morally, if you read his whole life, morally reprehensible in this sense. He actually... Um, approved the murder of people, right? He was a mercenary as a, as a leader against the people who become Christians. He said in Acts chapter 22, he said, I actually hunted down other Christians in foreign cities and I approved of their murder. Okay? We look at crazy things like, you know, um, kind of jihad or things we can imagine in our own day where people are so crazy that they go out after other people, want to kill them because of what they believe. This is what the Apostle Paul did. 
okay, prior to becoming a Christian. So he was not only self-righteous, which many of us have a bad taste in our mouth about that. We look at that as something that's wrong, people that are self-righteous. He not only was self-righteous, but he also was essentially a murderer, right? I mean, there's a lot of sinners in this room, but I don't know if anyone's committed murder in this room, okay? Maybe, I don't know, but I hope not, right? That Paul was, now, here's the interesting thing about that. He also says, Galatians chapter one, his, what Paul is saying is, what happened to me ought to happen to you. We are half-hearted creatures no more. He says, listen, I was chosen, Galatians one, from my mother's womb. He's talking about his own calling. He said, listen, what's true of Paul, I don't know if it's true of others, but he said this, God had a special role in my life to be, we call him the 13th apostle, to share the gospel the way that he did. He, he, he launched in many ways the, church, the New Testament church. We have his record of the New Testament. He said, but I was chosen from my mother's womb. That's the language of Galatians chapter one. So here's my question. If Paul was chosen from his mother's womb, right? Wasn't an afterthought. He didn't do a good job. And while he's really showing some promise, I'll use him. He was chosen for a specific purpose. Why did God in his providence not bring him into the Christian faith until after he became a self-righteous blowhard in many ways and after he ultimately became a murderer. Why would God wait for those kinds of sins to take place in his life before he brought him to faith? Here's the answer. 1 Timothy chapter uh, 1, verse 15 and 16. 1 Timothy, listen carefully. Here is a trustworthy saying, the same guy, Paul writing, that deserves full acceptance. It's, this is a Bible way of saying, let me be honest about my life. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's why he came, of whom I am the worst, okay? Now, I've been a pastor for 20 years, and it's still hard to be honest about my sins. You know what I mean? It's, it's hard to say, guys, I didn't make it here. I didn't cut it here. I am not perfect. I have to be honest with you, right? I'm not always faithful in this way. I don't always do it right. It's hard for all of us. It's always hard for pastors to do it, right? Because we're supposed to know better. And, 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 and we, we're supposed to be better practitioners at the faith. And Paul, this is one of Paul's moments. I want you to know something. I, Christ came to save sinners of who I am the worst. Now, he, this isn't just a flourish. He's telling you something about his life. Now, watch this. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. He's saying, listen, why did God wait for Paul to commit these sins and to build these prejudices? Why did he do that? Before he forgave him. He did that so that you and I could come to a place and understand these same very truths about ourselves. He spent a good point of his life, Paul, avoiding and looking down on the very people he was called to reach and to serve to make the point that, listen, change doesn't happen because you try harder. Change doesn't happen because you do more. Change happens because 
you come to understand you have been loved more. That's what he's saying. And Paul's trying to say that about you and about me. We are half-hearted creatures no more. What God has done for you, what God has done for me, because he died for all, therefore I was dead, but now there is a new creation. I'm no longer limited, not only by the guilt of my sin, and my sin is great, but I'm also no no longer limited by my prejudices. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. John Stott, the the great British theologian, said these words. Think about your own life. My true self is what I am by creation and calling which Christ came to redeem. My false self is what I am by the fall, which Christ came to destroy. Leave that up there for a minute, guys. Think about this. Do you think about yourself this way, right? My true self is what I am by creation and by calling. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here, which Christ came to redeem, right? My false self is what I am by the fall, which Christ came to destroy. What you will ultimately become, and that's really what this passage is about, right? Or does he end? God did this for you so that we might become the righteousness of God. What you will ultimately become in this life, what I will ultimately become in this life as as a follower of Jesus, will have to depend on how much you embrace this truth and you decide day by day and decision by decision to cooperate with it, right? The Apostle Paul learned to live his life out of the knowledge that he was completely accepted and that he was fully loved despite his flaws and despite his failures. He said, listen, God waited. I wish he didn't. I sing with me. I became a Christian in college, and I'm so grateful, but I wish I would have became one at five, right? But he said, God did this, right, so that you might know that I might know that God completely loves you. He completely accepts you in spite of your flaws and your failures. He was an example to us. And we need to encourage each other to embrace this truth when we doubt it or when we struggle with it. C.S. Lewis, very famous sermon. Those of you know, the great British theologian died in the middle of the 20th century called The Weight of Glory, right? Very famous sermon, said these words. If you ask 20 people today what they thought are the highest of the virtues, 19 of them would reply, unselfishness. But if you asked almost any of the great Christians of old, they would have replied, love. The New Testament has lots to say about self-denial, but not about self-denial as an end in itself. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of rewards in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea 
we are far too easily pleased, right? This is what Paul is saying, right? This is what Paul is saying. My true self is what I am by creation and calling. And really what it means to be a Christian, right, is for you and I to more fully embrace this, right? It's to more fully appropriate this. And what I've been saying is this, listen, this is uncomfortable. I don't want to affirm you as you are. Listen, I'm your pastor. I've heard everything there is to say. It's amazing. It's one of the the, the sobering realities of being a pastor. I've heard every kind of story you can imagine of failure and, um, and, 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 and dysfunction and abuse. I mean, you hear it all. Let me tell you something. And I want you to know, I have, and I hope your brothers and sisters in the room, have ears to hear, to say, listen, however deep the pit, God is deeper still. You know, I, there, it, it's never too, uh, you're, no one is too far from God. I got ears to hear, but what I hope I will say to you, what I hope your friends around you will say to you is, listen, Jesus wants to accept you just the way you are, whether you're a murderer, whether you're self-righteous, just the way you are, but he doesn't want to keep you there, right? He want to keep you there. He wants to, you, it, who are you by calling? Who are you by creation? We need to encourage each other to embrace this truth when we doubt it and we struggle. And in that sense, my second point, we speak with the voice of God, right? It's a powerful statement. Now, we've already talked about this. I'm going to spend a lot of time on it. That is, do you have people in your life, right, who are able to say to you, listen, yes, I appreciate how far you've fallen. Yes, I appreciate that there's been, you, you've been a victim. You, 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 you've, you, there, there's been a lot of trouble and sin and sorrow and failure in your life. But God's called you to something greater, Right? Be reconciled to God, right? Do people, you have people that say that in your life. Verse 20, we are therefore, Paul saying to this congregation, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, be reconciled, we implore you, I'm sorry, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, this passage is often used as a... Um, verse, because it's talking about reaching people, I guess, um, to talk about how the church needs to evangelize people, use that word, who do not know the Christian message. And I think when you look at all of the writings of Paul, it's appropriate. Many times in the Bible, the apostle Paul, Jesus too, talks about sharing the gospel with people who don't know it. So I think it's okay, but it's not really the primary context of this passage. Paul is not so much evangelizing the, um, the non-converted. He's preaching a message. He's evangelizing the Christians, right? He's saying, listen, we are God's ambassadors as though, speaking of he and his, the people he traveled with, as though God himself, right, we're making an appeal through us. And he's saying, listen, we implore you, right? We, you know, the word implore, we beg you, be reconciled to God. In other words, believe what it is that the Bible says about you. See, that's the real issue. 
The real difference between people, you might say, who, who seem to do better at the Christian faith than others isn't years on the clock. It's not how long you've been a Christian. It's not how many great hair you have. It's not how many services you've been to. It's how much you have believed and appropriated what is said about you. This is what Paul is saying, right? Therefore, if anyone is a Christian, the old is gone and the new has come. There's this great story. It's in, it's in Mark's gospel. Um, and this guy comes to Jesus and he's desperate because his son, who if you read it carefully, who's now a young adult, his, um, has this just horrible, I guess it's, we don't have the words for the diseases back then, but whether he had epilepsy, he was also, he had never spoken, he threw himself into the fire. I mean, can you imagine those of you in this room who've had sick children, you know, maybe, maybe severely handicapped children, whatever the case may be. This is not a, you know, it's not a, it's not a weekend journey. It's a long journey. And this father has this tremendous desperation. He'd heard about Jesus and he comes to the disciples. They couldn't heal him. He said, Jesus, if you can help me, please help me. And Jesus is so compassionate. How long has he been this way? You know, it's like, a, like Jesus puts on his doctor hat or something. How long has he been this way? And he says, since he was a child. And Jesus says, anything is, anything is possible for him who believes. What a, what a lie. Anything is possible. And the guy says, right? You can imagine the look on his face. He said, Lord, I believe. Right? He said, we wanted, but he said, help my unbelief. Right? Standing right in front of Jesus. Help my unbelief. That's what Paul's talking about, right? Help my unbelief. Do you, do I appreciate what it is that God has done for us? And what Paul is saying here, listen, we speak with the voice of God, right? The weight of glory, C.S., wake up, right? Wake up. The people God has put in your life and you, you not only need to be humble, I need to be humble to listen to the words of the people God put in my life to say, listen, Rob, this is what you need to do. This is what's really going on. Let me tell you. Let me be the voice of God for you. Be reconciled to God. He loves you. You need to believe it. Not only need to be humble enough to receive it, I need to be courageous enough to give it, right, to other people. We speak with the voice of God. 1 Peter 4.11 very quick verse. If anyone speaks, anyone, he's not, this isn't a, this isn't a you know, a, 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 a open call to people that want to be in the ministry. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God, okay? Think about that. Think about that. Uncomfortable church. Do you have people in your life? Do I have people in my Finally and lastly, what are you becoming, right? What are you becoming? That's what this passage is about. It's a great gospel verse, by the way, verse 21. God made him to be sin for us who had no sin. God made him, I'm sorry, who had no sin to be sin for us. This has been, many people would say this is the, the, the shortest verse in all the Bible about the gospel, and I think it is, and it's a wonderful verse, right? But it's, it's, Paul is, the point of the verse, the emphasis of the verse is not the first half, it's the second half. So listen, God did this. He made Jesus to be judged for your sin. Watch this. So that, 
What's the purpose? And he's writing to Christians. Think about your life. So that in him, that is to say, as we share in his life, that's what he means by in him, as we share in his life, as we grow in our faith, in him, we, circle this, might become, right? He's not talking about where you're going when you die. He's talking about how you are experiencing the life of Christ here. That's what he's talking to. I implore you on Christ's behalf. I beg you, be reconciled to God. That you might become the righteousness of God, which is another way of saying that you might become the person God designed you to be. My true self is what I am by creation and calling, which is what Christ came to redeem. You've heard these terms, my identity in Christ, right? Listen, I've been a Christian for 30-some years, a pastor for 20, and I got to wake up every day just like you and, 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 and deal with thoughts about myself, self-condemnation. Right? I don't even need your condemnation. That comes later, right? <laughs> From your wife, your friends, your husband, okay? But I start with my own, right? And this isn't some mind over matter thing. This is me realizing, this is me claiming, be reconciled to what God says about you. And what we're saying is, listen, if, we wanna, if you want a church that's really going to change you, it's not going to say you're okay the way that you are. And that's true for your, for your and my family and friends, right? I don't want anyone to come into this church and be offended. Boy, the pastor's a know-it-all or, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you're, uh, you know, fire and brimstone. That's not who we are. But I'll tell you what people do want, right? It's not only who are we becoming, who, uh, uh, who are you becoming, who are we becoming as a church, right? right? If all we are as a church um, is, is just a, a, a reflection, right? Uh, uh, you know, a, 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 a church reflection of our culture, what good are we, right? What good are we? We want, we, want, we, want, we want people to know whether you're a Christian here this morning or a non-Christian this morning. Let me tell you something. God loves you. He loves you in, even in spite of your sin and your failings. That's why Paul's an example. But he's want to leave you where you are. He, he's called you to be something else. And as a church, we individually and collectively want to help you get there. I got a, a note. I'm just going to share this with you from a guy. I, I, I get together with a couple guys um, in, in uh, you know, for an hour or so every week. There's a lot of you guys do this, ladies as well. And this guy sent me a note just a couple, maybe a month ago, about our time together. Summarizes so much of what I've been saying over the last month. He said, being in this group with you guys has significantly changed my life. This, th- th- these are the kind of notes where I think, okay, I'm going I'm to do this for another five years. I'm, I'm, making some, I'm doing some good here, I hope, right? This is what a great note. Being in this group with you guys has significantly changed my life. It has helped me grow as a Christian more in the last year than probably the previous 10. By being accountable to spend more time in the Word and to study Scripture has helped me immensely. I've been going through some challenges over the last year or so. This group, three of us, And study has helped me tremendously in dealing with these difficulties, helping me understand them and lean on God to get through them in a much more productive way than I would have otherwise. It has humbled me and directed me to pray more diligently for myself and for others. It has led me to live 
a much more godly life. Who are you becoming? To address the shortcomings and demons I've had in my life and to overcome them and become a much more peaceful, caring, and understanding person to my family, my friends, and to myself. My growth has helped me avoid sinful behavior, encouraged me to be more obedient to Christ, and the prayers that you have prayed and, and, and you guys have prayed for me have been very comforting and constructive to my development, my growth, and to my personal peace, right? How about, what are you becoming, right? When you think about your judgment, for instance, on others, is it changing? How about your levels of your fear and anxiety? Is it changing? How about your unique sin struggles, right? Or is it changing? Nothing will change unless you're willing to be challenged to believe the gospel at deeper and deeper levels. That's what we're talking about, right? That's what it means to be um, uncomfortable church. But let me tell you something. I am who I am today, a man in process, a man in progress, an imperfect pastor, an imperfect person, but I am who I am today um, because of the, the, the word of God. We talked about that, right? Are, are you in God's word every day? Uncomfortable authority. Because of structured relationships, right? Because there are people in my life not because they, they just have, they just barnstorm open into my life and, 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 you know, just decide to interrupt, you know, because I've invited them into my life and said, this is what I believe. I believe that I am not what I will be. I believe that by creation, by calling, God has, has created me to be something different. This is what I, this is what I, I aspire to relative to my growth as a Christian. And I want you, I invite you to encourage me and challenge me um, to go further. Do you have those kinds of relationships in your life? You have to choose that. I have to choose that. And we mentioned this last week. Uh, do you have a, 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 a ministry, right? Are you involved in some way? Have you become a part of, right, the remaking of the world, right? As Sam was talking about a few minutes. Is it true? This is what it means to be uncomfortable church and if we can join together, individual by individual and as a group, and decide, yes, this is who we want to be, then we'll change this community because we'll actually be attracted. We'll actually have something that people really need and want, right? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen? Amen. Stand with me. Let's, let's pray. Every Sunday, by the way, should be a Sunday where it's, you should, people can take a next step, right? I hope you know that. If you're new, I'd love to meet you. Our other ministers would love to meet you. Um, our connections team would like to help you take a next step in any number of the ways that we talked about, growing in your faith, involved in, in community. Also, as, as Sam mentioned uh, half an hour ago, um, the... Uh, relative to these projects. We'd love, we want to engage you. Stop in and talk to some of our leaders in the, in the center on your way out. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. Thank you for every person in this room. Lord, what a, what a humble um, uh, thing it is that we can say in Christ 
that you are our Father, and Lord, that you um, know everything there is to know about who we are, and you, Lord, not only love us and meet us where we are, Lord, but you have called us to be something other than what we are. And Lord, we, we, we just open our lives more fully to that. And we, we speak against our own discouragement, our own, our own um, you know, the, the words or the voices of our false self, so to speak, that says nothing will ever change in my life and my love will never grow and I'll never get over this um, you know, sin in my life. I, nothing will ever be different than it is today. Lord, we, 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 um, we want to just say boldly, truly, that that is not true and that we can become the righteousness of God. We can become more who you've called us to be as we open our lives uh, to your word, as we open our lives uh, to others, as we open our lives to your, um, what, to your mission. And we just pray you would bless us. Be with us today in Jesus' name. Amen.